0: Giving you to our first unfazed under fire podcast with many more to come. I'm David Craig Utz and I'm very excited to be your host and moderator for the show. Now I'm creating this podcast for two primary reasons. Number one, to support my former clients who I have worked with over the past 25 years so they can continue to leverage what they learned during our coaching engagements and bring, I can bring additional insights that foster them and their deepening of their development as leaders and their impact as leaders. Number two, for the past 26 years, I've been honored to be a part of the coaching and leadership development profession. That said, as powerful as the contributions of my profession have been, the post-COVID world is demanding that our profession transform its approach to ensure we remain relevant and have ways to do that. Because the world of business that executives are in now requires a deeper kind of intelligence that leaders must develop. And I will share more about that in a bit. Through this podcast, I commit to bring content that is both informative, practical, relevant, and to shoot straight with you. Given that, I believe my profession has gotten a bit stuck in a rut because for the most part, our clients are not demanding more from us, and they should. That's because more than any other time in our lives, the world is in need of more enlightened leaders to show up, to lean in with their visions that to unify, uplift, and inspire all of us to step up to be the change we deeply want to see in the world. And to be frank, my profession has been a bit consistent inconsistent in generating leadership, but I'm going to talk a little bit more about that later. Now, let me now talk about why I picked the name Unfazed under fire. Because, as I just noted, we are in unprecedented unprecedented times. People are comparing the current times with other historically pivotal periods like World War II, the U.S. Civil War, and the Revolutionary War. During such crisis points, humanity is being confronted big time and has to shift many things, including the transformation of major institutions and our approaches to just about everything around living And working and during times like this enlightened leaders are forged and lead the way forward such leaders are inspired and fearless they see through the present circumstances and look towards a greater empowering and unifying vision they are unfazed under fire and forwarding their vision you can think of the likes of Washington Jefferson Lincoln and Churchill so what leaders are facing today is unprecedented and causing big challenges, much like the leaders I just mentioned were facing. Let's start by reminding ourselves about the increasing number of disruptions we are dealing with as we attempt to lead our organizations forward. We find ourselves in an uncertain economy and inflationary times. We're dealing with the Russia-Ukraine war that still has a chance to spill over into Europe and beyond. Right now, this situation is causing political strain and sapping our military resources in the West and may cause further economic disruptions as a result. Third, we're confronting a rising adversary in China, and its economic effect is globally as it's reeling from a lockdown lift. We're continuing to see supply chain concerns. Many experts say we're at the end of globalization and moving towards a New world order. We have yet to determine what this new world order will be because several competing forces are attempting to frame it. We also are facing the most political divisiveness we have seen in our lifetime, and it's affecting public institutions, experts, and influencers all around the world. We are seeing a rapid rise in employee activism and also the great resignation, quiet quitting, Job interview ghosting are continuing, even as the tech and financial sectors are cutting jobs. Very strange time, right? And given this, my last point, there are continuing challenges with talent acquisition and retention as tensions and pressures in companies continue to mount. Now, the confluence of all these challenges is something that no years of business experience, education, or the current models of training and coaching could have prepared you for. Much more is required of executives in such an environment, including the ability to rely on oneself, one's resilience, and to be able to tap into deeper resources to meet the day. Now, the good news is business leaders are also well positioned to help us through these times. Even with these challenges, I firmly believe that it's business leaders who are best positioned to move us forward. Edelman's 2022 Trust Index, for example, revealed that business leaders and their approach to overcoming challenges are well-positioned in other in people's minds to be the leaders for tomorrow. From the survey, the government is not as able to solve societal programs. Only 44% take, are taking on a leadership role, believe they can take on a leadership role, and 42% do not believe they have what it takes to solve the problems and create measurable change. One in two people view the government and the media as divisive forces. We are seeing the rise of autocratic authoritarian leadership in governments, including ones that have been long considered beacons for democracy and freedom. Yet business leaders understand that such forms of leadership, authoritarian autocratic leadership, produce very poor results, and such leadership actually harms the business And entrepreneurialism and thus it'll harm the world. Again, business is seen as the most trusted institution that can affect societal change. In fact, 60% of those surveys said that they expect CEOs to speak publicly about controversial subjects and political issues. Now, while business leadership is seen as more trusted source to lead us forward, we have to stop and examine how the approaches to leadership development, and if they're actually assisting executives to meet the challenges of today. As we know it, leadership development is a pretty new profession. That's been codified into its current form only over the last 30 years. Of course, the solidification of the profession started a bit earlier. One can point back to Warren Bennis in the late 60s and early 70s as a precursor in the field as we know it today. In fact, in 1993, Forbes named Bennis the Dean of Leadership Gurus. Since then, a tremendous amount of research has been done on leadership. Thousands of books have been written on the subject, and the profession has done a great job of building leadership competency models that define leadership. So currently, we have a hybrid model that drives leadership development investment that integrates four key pillars. Number one, the university systems like Yale, Columbia Business School, UC Berkeley, Harvard, Wharton, MIT, to name a few. Number two, there are large professional services firms specializing in leadership development like McKinsey, DDI, Center for Creative Leadership, Franklin Covey, and Wilson Learning. Third, the first two have generated the third pillar of, of the current approach, which is the rise of leadership gurus the likes of Marshall Goldsmith, John Maxwell, Simon Sinek, Ken Blanchard, Barry Posner, as a a sampling. Then there's the rise of executive coaching, which has really only happened over the last 25 years. And it has integrated into this hybrid model. And the most successful executive coaches have worked, in a sense, to become mini-gurus, if you will, so they could grow their influence and practices, as you will. Now, how effective has this hybrid model been? As I said, our industry has done an exceptional job of defining leadership competencies. It has created really strong educational and trading programs to assist leaders in learning and applying those competencies. There's no doubt that there are some very good practitioners out there who help some executives develop into better leaders. But for the most part, The hope of the current leadership development process has outweighed its results. Few want to admit it, but we're in the midst, still in the midst of a major leadership crisis before the pandemic hit, and the pandemic hit just revealed how bad it was. So what's the evidence that we're in a leadership crisis? Well, most leaders still disempower, micromanage, and work to control their employees, While we're seeing organizations attempting to correct this, there are still too few examples of genuinely empowering, high-functioning organizational cultures. Second, an autocratic authoritarian leadership style is emerging worldwide. There is increasing censorship that's reducing people's freedoms. This style emphasizes leading by fear, and those who manage work to destroy or weaken their opponents. Third, businesses and government institutions engage in heavily unethical, immoral, and illegal behavior. And such behaviors are being done in plain sight without consequences. And the media does not seem to care that it's happening. Executive leaders themselves are burning out in record numbers with over 60% reporting high-stress and anxiety regularly, and over 70% stating they're considering leaving their jobs for workplaces that care more about their well-being. Let that sink in. As much as executives have learned about being a leader through coaching, training, reading, this knowledge is not standing up under fire. This is likely because leadership approaches may be cognitively understood, but for many, these approaches have yet to be translated into deep habits of being a leader. Now, let's look at some other key leadership development statistics. Now, U.S. companies alone spend $14 billion annually on leadership development. Colleges and universities offer hundreds of degree courses on leadership. The cost of a customized leadership development program from a top business school can reach $150,000 per person. The level of investment makes sense because whenever CEOs are asked to rank their top three human capital priorities, leadership development is always highly rated in the current and future priorities. But the question remains, where are all the leaders? Now, in 2018, Forbes did a really powerful article that announced and confirmed Yes, there is a leadership crisis, and astutely pointed to five reasons for this crisis that are even more relevant in the post-COVID world. These reasons for the crisis include, number one, the obsession with outcomes instead of causes and context. Now, this is what the organizations, of course, want results. There's no doubt about it. There's pressure to produce results from the shareholders, the board, etc., and from the senior leadership itself. But it's similar to, in the article they pointed to, uh, the size of a pumpkin. When you put a pumpkin seed in the ground, can you guarantee what the size of that pumpkin will be? Right? And you really can't. But what you can do is take care of uh, tilling the soil and making sure the proper nutrients are in the soil and that you're watering it and you're taking care of the weeds that might be growing around the, the, the young plant, that increases the likelihood that you're going to have a great result. Well, organizations have emphasized the result, which they really can't control. And as I pointed to earlier, um, under creating an environment and a context and Ignitions that improve the possibility that great results get generated. Number two, the machine metaphor is alive and well. We still think of an organization as a machine with replaceable parts like human capital and, and other parts of the organization. And in a, in a volatile, uncertain, chaotic world, the machine metaphor doesn't work. We have to see organization as a living organism and use nature more as a metaphor than a machine. The machine metaphor still lives in our subconscious, unfortunately, and that's another cause. Number three, ego, vanity, and arrogance. We see it all the time. As people rise to the top, something shifts sometimes when they move into a management or a leadership job. The pressures are different. The pressures are coming from a different direction, from top down even more. And through that, the the people that are sitting in those roles tend to allow their egos, their vanity, and their arrogance to grow. We still have too much, too many decisions happening in the ivory tower. Fourth, the more we do, the more we achieve. That's the motto. So busyness is acknowledged. Not necessarily results, not necessarily outcomes, but busyness. If people are active, oh, we're relieved. But that does not necessarily equate to them generating some result or something that's going to be important to forwarding the value for the organization. So that's, again, something we must look at. Uh, And the final one is really the one that holds them all together. It is really the mother of all the other four. And that's a deficiency in self-awareness, which really points to why we have a deficiency in leadership. Self-awareness, the growth of one's consciousness, is the number one competency that leads to greater leadership. We have to not only understand that, but we have to understand the power and critical nature of self awareness itself and what it really is. You know, we taught, there was a book that came out a number of years ago, and I can't remember the author right now, but it was called Descartes' Error. And what the author pointed to is that thinking is not the primary orientation of a human being, it is their awareness. If I'm unaware, I can't even know that I'm thinking. So I might be thinking, but if I'm unaware, it doesn't matter. Awareness is king. And so we must begin to understand not only what we must do to grow self-awareness, but we must get in touch with the fundamental nature of awareness in the human experience and as an ignition point for growing one's consciousness towards leadership. So given this last point, One leadership development thought leader has shown us an approach that can lead us out of a leadership crisis and transform leadership at scale. His name is Bob Anderson of the Leadership Circle. Bob has done some of the most extensive research ever done on leadership and how it develops. His studies explored the most respected leadership competency models, psychological models, Eastern Western philosophy models, etc., but Bob's biggest breakthrough came, happened when he explored the research of adult development theory. You see, just like children, adults deva- develop in stages, particular stages. For example, if we go back to childhood development, up to about age six or seven, children are in this world or mindset of magical thinking where they believe that they can, Santa Claus can go the, around the world, overnight, deliver all the presents and get home in time for breakfast with Mrs. Claus. Now, at around age seven or so, they become interested in how the world actually works. And for example, one of their favorite books becomes the Guinness Book of World Records. Now, the major difference between childhood development and adult development is that children tend to develop in predictable ways, while adults don't. For example, an adult can get stuck in a particular phase of development for their rest of their entire lives. So the primary avenue of expanding this is the development of self-awareness or their consciousness. Now, in Bob's work, what amazed him is he found that leadership competencies tightly aligned with what Bob called the creative stage of adult development. What Bob and his organization found is that most executives reside in the stage before this stage of what Bob called the reactive stage of development. And where most leaders are focused, highly driven, have a need for personal control, being right, and tend to have lower self-awareness. Now, when executives pop into the creative stage of development, they are more grounded and attentive to their self-awareness. They're more focused on creating through vision and purpose and higher value outcomes. They're less focused on themselves and more focused on their well-being and performance of their team. They understand they can't achieve what they want to achieve without others in their support. And so they have a more empowering, inspiring approach to engaging in their business relationships. For example, a sure sign that an executive is developing is when they enjoy and find great fulfillment in seeing others grow and develop around them. So the question becomes, how does an executive most naturally ignite to the next stage of development? That aligns with the expression of leadership. Because as noted, the leadership crisis we're in, most executives are still stuck in a reactive mode. And during these times, this mode is being exasperated. So, during all, since given all I've spoken about in this first podcast, let me share some of the principles I'm going to be focusing on in future podcasts. The general themes are going to be around number one, you must start with self leadership to grow as a great leader of others. You can't effectively lead others unless you understand how leadership emerges in you and how you lead yourself. number two, the fundamental thing that must expand in the human being is in the leader is self-awareness. now Bob Anderson points to the rise of consciousness as the primary shift in human beings that must happen for you to rise into leadership. So we must understand what this thing's self-awareness really is and why is it so important to develop now we know that, we've talked about, but I think a lot of the things that we've read about in this haven't been as direct as they could have. We're going to be very direct and explore this in a way that will make it very clear for you to understand in multiple different angles. Third, how to become a master at creating environments around you that bring the best out from others and inspire greater accountability. Fourth, understanding the power of language. Language, it is language that creates form and reality around us. If we don't have commitments, nothing happens, for example. If we don't declare where we're going, everybody's confused on direction. Language is powerful, and we'll be spending some time understanding the power of language. We're also gonna be learning how to work with the subconscious and leveraging the breakthroughs that are coming from neuroscience. You know, our executive function is what we primary, what you primarily use in your job as an executive absolutely critical right it's where the analysis and the labeling and the de- deciphering of information is happens and it's critical but it's the subconscious mind that runs the show and and understanding how these inner interplay and how neuroscience what neuroscience says about how we show up and maintain focus and engage our energy and and inspire ourselves is essential to understanding how to be a valuable and important leader. So there you have it. The ultimate goal of Unfazed Under Fire is to reveal in clear and practical ways what you must do to develop the best version of yourself as a leader. This will also be a place for straight talk, not just cute leadership quotes, if you will. I also bring on guests that'll push your thinking and and on various subjects. Again, as the show develops, I will be bringing forward effective, practical, and engaging content that will support you to deepen your clarity and focus, energize your efforts, and become fearless in in your execution as a leader. With that, I want to thank you for joining today. Hope you found today instructive and that you'll make this one of your go-to podcasts. My goal is to deliver the high-quality content that you demand as an executive to do so. Next week, I'll be having my first guest, Anatoly Yukarev, a leading thought leader in ethics and compliance. And on that show, we'll be talking about the intersection between leadership, ethics, and trust. It'll be a great conversation. In the meantime, and until then, have a great rest of your week or day. Drive safely if you're in your car, and we'll talk to you soon. Have a great day.